Don Mockholtz, and you are listening to Looking Up with Don. This is the Looking Up with Don podcast, episode number 121, for the week of April 27th, 2022. The related website for this podcast is donmacholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z dot com. Two H's. What's up in the sky this week? There is a lot going on this week and involving the moon, planets, and maybe a comet. As our week begins on Wednesday, April 27th, The moon is a thin crescent in our morning sky, south of Jupiter and Venus. The moon is new on Saturday, April 30th at 2027 Universal Time. This is the second new moon in the month of April. This occurs about every 29 months and is called a black moon. By next Tuesday, May 3rd, The moon will be a thin crescent in our evening sky. Let's talk about the evening sky first. Last week, the big event was in our morning sky. This week, the hot spot is the evening sky. Refer to podcast 121, map 3, which you can get from my website. It shows this part of the sky. Now, this sight will look good to the unaided eye in binoculars, and through a telescope. So be there our despair. On Sunday, May 1st, and Monday, May 2nd, the crescent moon will be in the western sky as twilight descends. Near the moon will be both the planet Mercury and the Pleiades, which is also known by two other names, the Seven Sisters and M45 and possibly comet Pan-STARRS, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. As seen from the western northern hemisphere on Sunday, May 1st, the moon will be about 7 degrees below Mercury. The moon sets an hour after the sun, so the sky will still have some twilight in it when the moon sets. 7 degrees above the moon is Mercury. To the lower right of Mercury, about one and a half degrees, is the Pleiades. And three and a half degrees to the right of the Pleiades is Comet Pan-STARRS. On Monday night, May 2nd, the moon will have shifted upward a bit. Then the moon will be about five degrees to the upper left of Mercury. And the Pleiades will be about two degrees below and to the right of Mercury. And six degrees to the upper right of the Pleiades is Comet Pan-STARRS. Hey, just look at the map. Now let's talk about the planet Mercury. On Friday, April 29th, it will be at its greatest elongation from the sun in the evening sky. Only It's only 21 degrees from the sun, but still well-placed. And the planet has recently, well, well, three weeks ago, 
been at its closest point to the sun, which it does every 88 days. This combination sets us up for viewing the tail of Mercury. Yes, Mercury has a tail made of sodium. Through a sodium filter, 489 nanometers wavelength, yellow-green in color, the tail has been photographed by amateur astronomers. I have heard no reports of Mercury's sodium tail being seen visually, but it is narrow and it points away from the sun. Now we turn to the morning sky, still smoking from a hot time last week. Last week, it wasn't just that we had four bright planets in the morning sky. They were geometrically aligned in a straight line. This week, Venus moves a bit south of the straight line and it won't look as cool as last week. Venus also appears to head towards the horizon, but that's not really what is happening. It is the other three planets, Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn, that are moving away from the sun at about a degree a day, while the planet Venus hangs at about the same distance from the sun. As such, those three planets rise about three or four minutes earlier each morning, while Venus rises about a minute earlier each morning. Venus and Neptune will be within about an arc minute of each other this Wednesday, April 27th, at 2000 hours universal time. In the Western Hemisphere, Wednesday and Thursday mornings are the best time to see these two, with them within a degree of each other each morning. How easy will they be to see? Well, Venus is magnitude minus 4.1, and Neptune is magnitude plus 7.9. So we have a 12 magnitude difference between Venus and Neptune. This amounts to a difference in brightness of 63,000. So Venus will be much, much brighter than Neptune. Venus much closer to us than is Neptune. But perhaps you'll be able to see Neptune in the vicinity of Venus on Wednesday and Thursday mornings. Good luck. On Saturday, April 30th, Venus passes south of Jupiter. And on that morning and the next morning, May 1st, you will be treated to a conjunction of the two brightest planets in the sky. There is an eclipse this week, a partial solar eclipse, in which the moon does not fully cover the sun, but it covers only part of the sun. It's on Saturday, April 30th, and it's visible from the southern portion of South America and northwestern Antarctica and a lot of ocean. At mid-eclipse, 64% of the sun will be covered by the moon. Now for the comet. Comet 2021 O3 Pan-STARRS. It has not been visible from Earth until this week when it emerges into our evening sky near the planet Mercury and M45. The question is, 
as it survived perihelion, its close passage to the sun. The odds are that it did not, but that does not mean we will see nothing. Now here are the options. There are four. If it has survived perihelion unaffected, then it should be visible in binoculars. See Podcast 121, Map 3, for its position. And if that happens, it will get dimmer as it gets farther from the sun. Number two, if the comet has begun the disintegration process, it might be fainter than expected, still showing a nuclear region and a coma and a tail. And it will dim rapidly over the next few nights. Now the third option would be that it disintegrated as it went close to the sun last week. And if that be the case, we probably will not see a nuclear region or a coma or head of the comet, but just some fuzziness, which was at one point the tail. In the case of a complete disintegration of a comet, usually the tail is the only thing that emerges into our skies and the only thing left from the comet. That tail will uh, begin to disperse over the next few days and become fainter. Finally, fourth option, if the nucleus has split, then comet panstars may actually be brighter than expected for a few days as new material is exposed to the sunlight, but then it will begin to dim. I'll watch for it, and you watch for it. That will be this weekend, or even as early as Thursday or Friday of this week in the evening sky. And next week, we'll have some results. Will you be able to see the International Space Station this week? which for our purposes begins Wednesday, April 27th through Tuesday, May 3rd. It depends upon where you are located. This week we have four zones. All you need to know is your latitude. Two areas will not see the ISS this week, north of 62 degrees north, and a large equatorial area between 33 degrees south and 27 degrees north. You will not see the ISS this week. But it will be visible from between 27 and 62 degrees north in the morning sky for at least part of the week. The northern area, north of 48 degrees north, the ISS will be in your morning sky for the second part of the week. Canada, England, that is you. In the southern part of this area, 27 through 35 degrees, it will be in your morning sky for the first part of the week. Florida, Japan, that's you. In between around 35 and 48 degrees north, you'll be able to see it in your morning sky every morning of the week, sometimes twice in one morning. In the southern hemisphere, the ISS will be in your evening sky if you live south of 33 degrees south. To determine where you can see it in your sky, go to the website heavens-above.com, enter your location, then click on ISS. We have a few comets now visible. They are plotted on Podcast 121, Maps 1, 2, and 3. But for more accurate positions, go to the heavens-above.com site and click on Comets.
First, we have Comet 2021-03, pan stars near M45 and Mercury in our evening sky. As stated, we will see if it has survived its close passage past the Sun. Comet 2019 L3 Atlas is still in our evening sky in southern Gemini, far away and moving slowly. Comet 2017 K2 Panstars is in the northern Milky Way, and it's up all night long. It's about magnitude 10. Comet 22P Kof, magnitude 11, is closing in on the planet Mars. How big are the pupils in your eyes, and why does this matter? This week, we are going to measure our pupil size. I'm guessing it's somewhere between 4 and 8 millimeters, but let's find out for sure. Starlight can enter your eyes only through the pupils of your eyes. A pupil is a black circle in the center of each eye. This is where the light enters your eye. When you look at the sky with the unaided eye, that's how you see the stars. If your pupils are 7 millimeters in size, that is how much light gets in. Just like a large funnel will gather more rain than a small funnel in a rainstorm, so a larger aperture will gather more light from the stars. A large telescope gathers a lot of light, sends it through the eyepiece to magnify the image, then the light beam exits the pupil and enters your eye. Now, what if the beam exiting the eyepiece is 10 millimeters across and your eye's pupil is only 7 millimeters across? Then, not all of the light coming out of the telescope gets into your eye, and in effect, you are not using the full aperture of the telescope. And remember this, for a given telescope, the lower the magnification, the larger the beam of light, called the exit pupil. If you want to use a low magnification eyepiece in your telescope, then it would be good to know the size of your pupils. There are two ways to calculate the size of the exit pupil coming out of your telescope. We will use millimeters for all of these measurements. 25.4 millimeters is equal to one inch. One method is to divide the eyepiece focal length by the focal ratio of the telescope. Two examples. A 32 millimeter eyepiece, which is rather popular, is used with a telescope of F4. Now that would yield an eight millimeter exit pupil, 32 divided by four. A 20 millimeter eyepiece used with an F5 telescope would produce an exit pupil of 20 divided by 5 for 4 millimeters. The other method is to divide the aperture by the magnification. A telescope with a 10 inch mirror, 10 inches in diameter, that's 254 millimeters in size, with an eyepiece producing 50 power, would yield an exit pupil of 254 divided by 50, 
which equals 5.08 millimeters. And this works for binoculars too. 7 by 50 binoculars is calculated this way. 50 divided by 7 equals 7.14 millimeters. Binoculars, which are 7 by 35, would be 35 divided by 7, which equals 5 millimeters exit pupil. So let's see how large our pupils are. Typically, they're 7 to 8 millimeters in size when we are young, but they decrease in size as we get older. And they automatically decrease when exposed to bright light. And they increase back in size when in the dark. So we want to measure our pupil size in the dark. <laughs> How do we do that? In the bathroom. I have done this for decades because most bathrooms have mirrors and a light switch. If your bathroom has a window, you might have to pull the shade or wait until evening when it is dark outside. You will need a millimeter ruler, one with a millimeter scale etched along the side of the ruler. Go into the bathroom and adjust the lighting so it's very dim in there. That might mean closing the door most of the way or using a dim nightlight. Remove your glasses if you wear them. Stand in front of the mirror and hold the ruler under your pupil, real close to your eyeball. Cover your other eye with your other hand so you're looking through the eye that you are measuring. Now you're going to have to hold steady for this, like maybe hold your breath, because the ruler is nearly touching your lower eyelid and eyeball. Line up the ruler back and forth so that one of the millimeter ticks is at one edge of your pupil. And count the number of ticks until you get to the other side of your pupil. That is your pupil size. A few more things. Dark adaptation to the night sky takes perhaps 20 minutes or so. But the increase of the size of your pupils happens almost immediately. Now, you can see that for yourself. I used to do this. As you stand looking into the mirror and turn on and off the bathroom light, you'll notice your pupils getting larger when the light is turned off and smaller when the light is turned on. That's, that's natural. You might also notice that one of your pupils may be larger than the other. That's okay. And as your heart beats your pupils change slightly in size. I observed that while fitting people with contact lenses back in the 1980s. I began measuring my eyes pupils in the mid-70s after I began visual comet hunting with a low magnification telescope. My 10-inch reflector at 30 magnification yielded an exit pupil of 8.4 millimeters. I was in my early 20s at the time, and my pupil size was typically 9 and up to 10 millimeters in size. This is unusually large. And when I asked around, I was told it was because I was very far-sighted, 
blonde hair, blue eyes, and such people are said to have larger pupils than most. But I've never confirmed that to be true. Now that I'm older, my pupil size has decreased. It's down to about five and a half millimeters at the most. So measure your pupil size and calculate your telescope and eyepiece combinations to see that all of the light from each is getting through your eyes. To recap the podcast, what's up this coming week? In the evening sky this Sunday and Monday, we have the moon, Mercury, M45, and maybe a comet. Look for Mercury's tail. And in the morning sky, on Wednesday and Thursday, Venus appears very close to Neptune. And on the mornings of Saturday, April 30th, and Sunday, May 1st, the two brightest planets in the sky, Jupiter and Venus, will be very close to each other in the morning. You have been listening to Looking Up with Don, podcast episode number 121 for April 27th, 2022. I'm Don Mockholtz. Once again, the related website for this podcast, where you can get all the maps, is donmockholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com, two H's. You can contact me at dontheastronomer at gmail.com. Once again, that's dontheastronomer at gmail.com. God willing and pod willing, I'll be back next week for another episode of Looking Up with Don. We will continue to check on Comet C-2021-03 Panstars and the latest news on that. Astronomy Day will be coming up Saturday, May 7th. We have a meteor shower the week after next. And I want to talk about this. How to see fainter objects than what you can now see. All that and more. Thank you for listening. See the sky this week. I'll see you next week.